my name is Cindy Baker. I'm a contemporary interdisciplinary and performance artist currently living in Regina and from Alberta slash Saskatchewan. For those who don't know me, my name is Lillian O'Brien Davis and I am the co-host of A Real Piece of Art with Sandy Moore and I'm also a curator as well as curatorial assistant at the Mackenzie Art Gallery born and raised in Toronto and I moved to Regina about almost a year ago now coming up on my work anniversary. It's been nice to get acquainted with everyone here and being on the radio show and being able to kind of use that as an excuse to meet new people has been nice so it's great to get back into it after a little bit of a break. I'm Sandy Moore and I am an artist and and a person who is perennially kind of doing too much. I really do love this community and I love especially being part of our arts community here. It's so welcoming. So it's exciting that both of you could be joining our art community in Regina. Yeah, I was nodding as you were saying that, but I realized this is audio. So I'd say, yes, I love this community too. <laughs> I started this radio show a little over a year ago for CJTR 91.3 FM Regina Community Radio, focusing on exhibitions we could go see in Regina and surrounding areas. And of course, now we can't really go see exhibitions in person right now. So we're going to kind of change up our usual format. This is one of the first times we've actually been on the same episode together. It's true. It's a bit of an unusual episode of a real piece of art. Lillian and I are both interviewing artist Cindy Baker, but we're not in the CJTR 91.3 FM Regina Community Radio Studio B where we normally record and edit episodes of our show, but we're on a Zoom call. That's life these days. The audio quality might be a little different from what you're used to hearing on our show. I, for one, am using a pair of $5 earbuds with a built-in microphone that I purchased at a gas station to record this show, but I'm sure that our delightful conversation with artist Cindy Baker more than compensates for this dodgy audio quality. Cindy talks about her dreams, disappointment, endurance, dedication, catharsis, contact, and the end of the world. And we'll describe dreams and artworks for each other, then we'll share our drawings and reactions with each other. I invite you to share your drawings of the dreams and artworks described on this episode of A Real Piece of Art with us on our Instagram and Facebook accounts. So let's get on with the show, one that will hopefully have you saying, that's a real piece of art. Maybe, Cindy, if you want to tell us a little bit about uh, projects that you've recently completed or are working on. I also know you did an artist talk with Ruth Cuthand for the Edmonton Art Gallery, and people can check that out online, I think. Yeah, so there's um, a project that we were invited to do uh, last year called Nests for the End of the World, um, which is uh, timely not only because of what's going on with uh, COVID and and uh, everything that's going on in the world related to one specific thing, but it's timely because um, I think we are uh, at the edge of all sorts of apocalypses um, and lots of people are making work about that, but we were specifically asked, uh, the curatorial premise was, um, let's say you're a warrior at the end of the world. Um, how would you conceptualize self-care to be able to go back out uh, on the front lines and continue fighting the good fight and Ruth and I we got this proposal um and looked at each other and we said well I mean the end of the world is now 
our uh, sort of rejoinder to the premise was like, we're going to make a nest that, um, that demonstrates what we actually do right now for self-care and also demonstrates how complicated self-care is and how complicit we all are in all of the systems that are creating the end of the world and talk about how complex it is. It's not just as easy as like we're fighting against the bad guys, but um, we are all the bad guys at the same time that, that we're creating this and we have nothing to do with creating it and we're all helpless and, and that we all need to need to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of each other. But in taking care of ourselves, it makes the situation worse. So that's the, sh- the long version sort of. And the short version is we put a hot tub in the gallery. Using a hot tub for an artwork is kind of wonderfully transgressive. The exhibition that you were commissioned to make a work for and the work itself is very prescient considering our social distancing and worry about germ plumes. It's, it's meant to be complicated, right? Your relationship to the hot tub in the gallery is complicated, partly because it's fun whether you are grossed out by a hot tub or not the idea of people being able to go into a hot tub in the gallery because it's not just a hot tub in the gallery. It's a hot tub that you are welcome to actually sit in and participate in the work. But while you're sitting in the hot tub and experiencing this wonderful uh, lightscape that we've created around you with neon and LED lights, there's also uh, the grating sounds of an oil field in a multi-channel audio installation that if you're there long enough, becomes white noise, but is actually not very pleasant to be around. And video with sort of an endless scroll of hundreds of reasons why the world is ending and the things that that we already know very well, but also many other things that we don't think of very often and that we haven't maybe conceptualized yet, like like are contributing to the end of the world. Um, One of our favorite bits of sort of trivia about the end of the world based on what several scientists have theorized is that we don't even know what it is that will sort of bring us down in the end. We have all these hundreds of things, but the thing that actually brings us to our knees is the thing that that we can't yet conceptualize and so we can't sort of start preparing for. Yeah, I remember having a conversation with an artist and I was expressing anxiety around that. And he said, which was like a bit bleak, it's a bleak conversation. Uh, He goes, things don't end, they just get worse. What I love about the hot tub is that when I think of hot tubs, I think about like all of the things you need to tune out in order to enjoy a hot tub. Like when you talked about that ambient or the the noise that you have to kind of either it becomes white noise or it kind of pushes you out. But like the mosquitoes or your own sensitivity around wearing a bathing suit in front of other people, like the things that you have to kind of like block out in order to then sit in this hot tub and having to kind of bring that into the context of having to ignore these end of the world signals to enjoy your hot tub. Yeah. And I think that's a really performative aspect of the work that the people in the hot tub are going, we look at me, I'm in a hot tub in a gallery. It's so fun. But actually like it's, it's not that hot anymore. (laughs) And like you're under this time pressure because your appointment is half an hour and you've got to be in and out and there's other people waiting for you. And you realize when you're in it, how much you are a part of the work and people (laughs) are staring at you. And like, it's not, it's not actually that relaxing at all. The pleasant thing 
that just is so bundled up with unpleasantness. Your hot tub points out not only how coming together is sort of forbidden right now, but also how pleasure and luxury that we sort of take for granted and we're putting ourselves first in this idea of self-care, the thing that allows us to exploit other people and our environment and resources is distance. I think I had mentioned that there was an artist talk on fieldtrip.art. Is there any other way that people can check out either uh, this project or any other works of of yours that's either happening now or has happened recently or that you want people to look at? Yeah, there's more about that uh, project on the Art Gallery of Alberta's website, including the sources for the hundreds of factoids that we got scrolling if people want to figure out more about what's going on for the end of the world. So um, maybe we can jump into some of our more typical questions that we ask on this show. You're an artist and I'm curious what your path to becoming an artist was. Becoming an artist is not as easy as some people think. It's not at all. I don't know. I feel like I was a late bloomer when it comes to thinking about art, thinking about contemporary art at least. But when I was young, I always I was always really creative, drawing, painting, uh, lots of textile art, sewing. My mom was a seamstress and a needle crafter of all sorts, and I did a lot of that. But also my aunt, my mom's sister, was a professional watercolor artist, and she's the one that really let me know that you can be an artist, that you can just do that. I didn't necessarily get from her that you can make a living at it. (laughs) But I really understood from her that you can make a life as an artist. And that's what I always wanted. Cindy, we were talking before we started recording about dreams. And I think everyone's kind of familiar with this phenomenon of COVID-19 dreams. I'm wondering, both Cindy and Lillian, if you've had any COVID dreams. I have, but because I've been working on a larger body of work about dreams for about 10 years and it's all it's all kind of coming to a head or at least the beginning of how it's outwardly expressing itself once i had this 10 year journal of dreams and started working with my impulse to record the dreams totally fell off and i find if i don't record them that i don't remember them very well so i have recognized that i've woken up and thought wow that was really uh, vivid but I don't have any specific dreams to relate from this time. Yeah, I tend to have a hard time recalling my dreams. I've had a few dreams where I wake up and I'm still kind of like gripped by the emotion of the dream. And I find that's been happening more and more now. I think also because my mind doesn't shift immediately to like having to get ready to go out, you know, to go to work. I had a dream that my teeth were falling out and it was really odd. I was like brushing my teeth in the dream, my teeth were getting stuck in the bristles of my toothbrush. And so I was like shaken. And when I woke up and I was thinking about it and kind of like thanking my lucky stars that my teeth were still there, I actually Googled meaning teeth falling out. And it means that you don't feel in control of your life. (laughs) So I was kind of like, oh, that explains it. It was like a totally surreal, brand new experience for me. We wanted to try something new, which is doing a little responsive drawing. I'm wondering, can you recall ever having a dream where you made an artwork? I have had dreams where I've made art, but I'm not making the art in the dreams. But I've had dreams where I there's an object that I recognize as my own creation. Most of them aren't super detailed, but I just have like the feeling of what they're like, or like I'm holding them. And one of the things that is coming up again and again in the work I'm making about my dreams is that 
things can be really precise at the same time as being completely, completely imprecise. So one of the reasons I want to make these objects real, which is one of uh, the bigger things I'm doing right now, is to figure out where that failure exists between where things are exactly precise and completely imprecise. I'll try and describe these objects from one of my dreams. In this dream, I was walking down a back alley and I discovered some of my own small ceramic works that were being sold at an abandoned back alley garage sale, like just these crappy old tables with these shitty little ceramics on them. I was like, hey, those are mine. And I recognized that they should have been thrown away and someone salvaged them. There were a handful of these misshapen lipstick bullets which were part of a, a series of work I made several years ago, but these were totally malformed. But then the other ones that didn't look like anything I've ever made before were a couple of thin ceramic test tubes, like weird, hand-built, ugly, very thin and hollow test tubes that were made out of white ceramic and had sort of painted on them sort of what looked like would have been a gray liquid inside. And there was a graduated beaker that was similarly, it was made out of white ceramic glazed, uh, shiny white with some sort of liquid in it or had been painted to look as though there was something in it. And those were kind of vague. And a vase or what, what was meant to look like a vase that we had when I was a kid, which was this little blown glass tube that stood on itself, like just a little circle with a, a bit of tube sticking up for one rose to go in and I had made this like looked like if you rolled out a snake out of clay um, but it was hollow so just like lumpy and malformed but was actually hollow so that it could be used as a vase and then six tiny ceramic shelves that were probably a quarter inch thick where they met the wall they were like l-shaped shelves like that so there was a little hole there were two holes where you would screw it into the wall. And it had been clearly, it had been rolled out on a canvas covered table. It had that texture in it where you roll out clay onto a table, but it was far too thin on the outer edge. It was so thin. It was like kind of had a sharp edge and they were glazed white and gray, white with gray and pink stripes and or dots. That's it. You're listening to A Real Piece of Art on CJTR 91.3 FM Regina Community Radio. Today, we're talking about art and dreams and dreams about art with artist Cindy Baker. Cindy just described an artwork that she made in a dream for Lillian and I to try our hand at drawing. And I encourage you listening to pick up your drawing materials and try your hand at rendering this dream as well and share it with us on our social media. I did start to make a drawing based on your description. Should I finish my drawing and show it to you now or should I text it to you later and we can all meet up on another Zoom call and, and compare drawings? Oh man, any of those things. I'm, I'm <laughs> here to see it. If you want to finish, that's great. I need some time to work on mine. Okay, we can share our uh, drawings at a later date, and I think the reactions could be funny. So I am not an artist, so that will uh, <laughs> will will realize the repercussions of that <laughs> on Tuesday. Non-artist art is my favorite. It really is. <laughs>
through the magic of editing for radio, here we are sharing our drawings with each other a couple of days later. So I also took notes of your description and then drew later. So I was drawing from my own notes. So my fast scribbling while you were describing didn't capture everything. So it's a bit of a broken telephone, um, but I think that that's fun. <laughs> my drawing is mostly like as, as Cindy was telling us her dream. I thought you were going to focus just on the artwork, but you <laughs> sort of the whole surrounding situation. I felt like the alley made it just sort of so much sadder, I guess. Um, although I kind of made a little bit of a mistake, I think, because I uh, showed your uh, ceramics being like sold on a blanket. And I think you must have used the words crap ceramics because that was in my drawing. It just seems so very potent, your kind of embarrassment at like stumbling across the rejects that should never have seen the light of day somehow for sale in an alley. Yeah, and I like it that they are selling the ceramics on a blanket in your dream, but they also hung up like a nice sign. <laughs> a custom-made banner. <laughs> yeah, they had a custom-made banner done, but also like couldn't get a table or something. <laughs> like we blew the budget, folks. Yeah, what a business model. We're going to steal <laughs> someone's ceramics that they threw away and we're going to sell them in an alley. But yeah, we're going to make a fancy banner for it. My first impression is that they're wobblier ah. than, than in my dream. And I'm like, oh, maybe they weren't really that crappy. Like Dr. Seuss's version of how crappy. <laughs> yeah. My drawing is, is makes them worse than they were. So maybe they weren't. Dream you can feel redeemed. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at the other one. This one looks totally unfamiliar, like the Sandy's picture made me think like, yeah, I, there are some things about this that I can recognize from the dream and Lillian's is like. Oh, this is those shelves. This, yeah, the, the, I, I had shelves written on oh my, my little God. list of notes. Well, I yeah. think this is so cute. Look at those little lipstick bullets that also kind of also look like mushrooms. The uh, misshapen lipstick. Yeah, those those could totally be the ones from my dreams for sure. The vases are not at all right, but totally right how I described them. I think I am curious because you described them as something that was in your house or inspired by something that was in your house growing up, and I wonder if Lillian, maybe you had um, a mental image uh, based on something that was in your house growing up. I don't know. I think I maybe if in like a vintage shop or something or like a value village because I can't think of anything in my like parents' house. But yeah, I think there's definitely some outside influence creeping in about with regard to my vase choice. The test tubes filled with gray liquid though. The gray is exactly right. The uh -huh. test tubes are probably the, the most accurate specific green objects. That's redeem, or that helps me redeem the work a little bit. <laughs> I also like how Lillian's like feel like they appeared sort of by magic. They have this cloud and a kind of explosion around them where it's just like, poof, here they are. You forgot about us, but we're back. Yeah, it's like the dream aura where you can't see like the crisp lines of a room or something. I was trying to kind of like 
It's just that dream haze. Yeah, make that dreamy haze. Are you in a are you secretly like in a bathroom somewhere? You'll never know. You'll never know. I'm actually going to use this, submit this in my portfolio for my uh, art MFA, my studio MFA. So <laughs> thank you for your, <laughs> your comments. Sound plan. You know, the interesting idea is better than the good drawing. Oh yeah, a bad drawing is way more interesting. Both of these drawings kind of hit me right here. Like, oh, they're both so wrong. Like they're so disappointing. <laughs> Obviously, you've got a specific picture in your head, and there's something like there's some amazing pathos in there, right? Like, facing something that doesn't exist. Yeah, it's a real, like, a very impossible task. Spin this ash into a golden rope, spin this dream into something miraculously an artwork. It's a real fairy tale punishment. Radio show hosts are the, the new alchemists. Yeah. But that's the thing. I've invented a reason for these things to be interesting. Just like, what if, what if you could make a dream really come to life? Like, how could it be effective? Like, how can it change you as a person? What does it mean to pull something out of you that is basically a memory, but suddenly it's real? And so I'm going to spend the next 10 years basically finding things from my dreams and making them concrete. I think that's true. There is this kind of like illogical logic to what happens in the dream and to try and make a real life logic for it after the fact is really a fun way about thinking about how we value things, how we value ideas. Also this idea of inspiration. What is it to be an artist? And people sometimes think it's easy having an idea, this inspiration, by having an idea to make an artwork and follow through on it. Uh, there does have to be a logic. It's not like you just, an idea comes into your head and you're like, great, that's it. Yeah. So you're kind of exposing this, the unseen labor of the, the logic and developing the idea. The unseen labor of the dream. Like nurturing within yourself the confidence to be able to take something that's maybe barely an idea and turn it into an idea and then mm-hmm. from an idea into a plan <laughs> and from a plan into a re- yeah. getting there. That's where the art exists. It exists in getting there, not in the object itself. For one of my dream projects, I've commissioned, I don't know, somewhere between 18 and 24 so far, embroidery, embroiderers um, over the past couple of years to try perfectly replicate uh, hangy found a thrift store in one of my dreams so I had a dream um, that I was traveling and I found this hanky and it said um, never seen before someone had hand embroidered never seen before and three hats on it and I was like oh I want this so badly but it was 1895 which I thought was ridiculous so I left it behind and I continued traveling in my dream but then in my dream I had this intense feeling of regret that I didn't buy it And I tried to go back and get it, but you can never go back in your dreams. So that when I woke up, that feeling of regret was like doubled that I couldn't have it in the dream and now I can't have it in real life. So I've been chasing that specific object. Um, And no matter how precise I can, precisely I can describe it to people, none of them are right. Like they're not right at all, right? Like I want this exact thing and everything, like every time I receive one in the mail, it just breaks my heart because it's still not right. Oh my God. I'm like heartbroken. It's hilarious. I want to like climb out of my own skin with that description of the (laughs) disappointment that keeps compounding. (laughs) So you've commissioned, how many embroiderers did you say, Cindy? 
so far between 18 and 24. I, I've lost count. I've sort of, similarly to my dreams, I record them, I get them, I put them away, and I'll come back to them later. And hopefully, either because my memory has created this new memory of the dream, or because I'm somehow have a better access to the original dream, hopefully I'll come back to them and say, wait, this one's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all I can say is I hope that does happen. Even the the very sort of minimal description that you gave us about the handkerchief where it's so bizarre and I immediately have a mental image, but then I think, well, three hats, like, are they like party hats? Is it like a bowler hat or a fedora? Immediately, I have so many questions and I think that's such a wonderful potential. Like, what is the role of art? Herbert Marcuse, he talks about how the power of art is to like dream dream of things that don't exist yet, like a very kind of utopian notion. And then you, you're kind of on both ends of that, where you're uh, dreaming of the disaster that hasn't happened yet, <laughs> as well as, as literally trying to bring to life the, a dream that you have that's so ephemeral, it can never really be brought to life. Thank you for your time and your generosity talking to us. And uh, thank you for being a real piece, a real piece of art. <laughs> you both. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for listening to A Real Piece of Art on CJTR 91.3 FM, Regina Community Radio. I'm your host, Sandy Moore, with Lillian O'Brien Davis. Today, we talked with artist Cindy Baker about her artwork, her dreams, the end of the world, and how these all overlap. Special thanks to Guidewire for the fantastic music used throughout this episode. Be sure to check out the Real Piece of Art Facebook group and Instagram account, Real Piece of Art 2019, for show updates and images love podcasts listen to podcasted episodes of a real piece of art by searching the show title on itunes podcasts going to soundcloud.com slash real piece of art on the cjtr app or the free radio player canada app